Welcome, and thanks for checking out the Living Word Family Church Sermon Podcast. Before we get to the message, we'd like to invite you to check out Living Word Family Church if you don't already have a church home. For more information, you can check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. Good to have Solid Rock in here with us tonight. Um, like Pastor Mike said, I feel like we need to spend some time tonight talking about what's going on in the minds of most of you here tonight, and that, of course, is Ashley Kreider. That's Matt's wife, Larry and Chris Dillman's daughter, Katrina's sister, and our youth director. Uh, before I get started on that, I want to say a big thanks to Pastor Mike, and not just Pastor Mike, but uh, everybody uh, who has uh, been up there to be with the family, be with Matt. Um, and also a big thanks to Zach Bensel. I was, uh, last night was steak night for the men's night out, which is kind of a big deal. There's a lot of stuff to move around and get ready. And Pastor Mike and Matt do a lot of that. I've got to kind of go into a meditative state for the steaks to turn out like they turn out. But, uh, no, there's, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of running back and forth from one end to the other. And I think Zach probably made about 25 trips just by himself, uh, moving stuff and getting stuff ready. I absolutely couldn't have done it without him. Uh, but thank you, Pastor Mike, also for staying up there so long. I know Lisa and Russ were up there for a long time. Brian Knight's up there tonight. And uh, praise God for church family, you know. Just praise God. And uh, the other thing is, uh, there, and there might be one or two people in here who's like, I'm saying, Ashley Kreider, what's going on with Ashley Kreider? I think most of you know by now, and I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But uh, you also have to understand this. I shared this in the email that I hope you got today. Uh, he's the way I communicate with you. I send him an email, and he formats it and puts it into the stuff and sends it out. I've asked him before. I even talked about today. I said, maybe you need to teach me how to do that on my own. He goes, nope, that's job security. If I teach you to do it. So, but we'll, we'll do it. We, we'll get a backup plan. But anyway, all this stuff was happening. I was getting, getting this news in bits and pieces starting yesterday afternoon, and I had a very full plate. My phone was blowing up. I'm trying to respond, and I've got my... Elbow, I'm up to my elbows in olive oil and all sorts of stuff for the steaks and having to wash and answer the phone and, and trying to stay on top of this. I just didn't have a way of getting the word out to everybody. I've been communicating with the elders. We've got a band app, so the elders were, were in the loop and praying. I shared it with the men last night, uh, but just uh, I could not get that email out any sooner. And I know word was traveling around. It's a small town. Matt, I spent some time at the hospital today, and Matt said, I just can't understand how... So many people know about this already. People in the community calling and asking and sending messages on Facebook and everything else. It's, it's the way small towns work, okay? Uh, so, and I know as, as church family, he would prefer that you guys knew everything first. But as you can imagine, his plate was pretty full too. What happened is that our sister Ashley suffered a ruptured brain aneurysm yesterday afternoon. She was found by her dad unresponsive in her office. Uh, I was talking to Larry at the hospital today, and, and he, he said, you know, it was really, we just had a staff meeting, and typically Ashley goes back in the office, and it might be an hour uh, could easily pass between the time she goes in her office, and it's not like that's a high-traffic area. But the receptionist, I guess, kind of heard her snort or make a weird breathing noise and went in to check on her and immediately called Larry. So Larry was there within seconds of this happening, uh, called 911, and they said, start doing CPR. She, he said, well, she's got a pulse. Yeah, but she's not breathing right. You need to perform CPR. So he did that until the EMTs got there. They transported her to OSF. They, meanwhile, they called Matt, and uh, he got there very quickly. 
And when they did the scan or the test or whatever they did and determined that she had suffered this aneurysm, they, wanted, they, they needed to transport her to Carl where they had a, a, a neurosurgeon, a specialist, to deal with this. And uh, they, they look at it and they say, you know, it's critical. We need to do surgery within 24 hours and something like this. And they, they started to schedule it for this morning. And something on the scan said, no, you know, we really need to start this now. And thank God they did because just as they were starting the surgery, another aneurysm ruptured. She lost six pints of blood. Uh, they gave her six pints of blood. But because of where it happened, they were able to deal with it on the spot. And... Uh, so Larry was telling me so many things about the timing, where he was, how quickly they found her. The, uh, and even when he uh, a- asked the doctor, you know, wow, we had to take her to Carl. What, should we have just taken, here, taken her here first? You know, he's wrestling with this. What, what would it have been better? Did we, did we hurt her by taking her there first? And the doctor said, don't go there. She's here now. We're dealing with it. And for all I know, we could have started this surgery and missed the opportunity to deal with that second aneurysm when we did. So it, everything, so Larry said, I see God's hand in so much of this, but you know, what if, do these thoughts ever creep into your mind? Do you remember back uh, after 9-11, we started hearing all these testimonies from people who would say, and I believe them, uh, something prevented me. My car broke down or I just felt something happened, prevented me from going to work in the towers that day. Something kept me from making my flight on time and these lives were saved. And then the skeptic comes back and says, oh, God kept you from getting on the plane. He can do that? Well, yeah, he did. Why didn't he just keep the terrorists from getting on the plane? See, we don't know why everything happens. And this is a whole separate message. I'm not going there tonight. But it really does have to do with being led led by the Spirit of God and praying and hearing from God. Our prayer and our will is mixed up in this whole deal. Yes, God is sovereign, but he doesn't orchestrate every single thing. The whole world is not under his control because he made us to have a will. Now, ultimately, how everything turns out, that is under his control. He knows the end from the beginning. But it's, we can drive ourselves nuts trying to figure out every little detail. And you know what? It's okay because the Bible tells us this. What? We know in part, as long as we're here on this earth dealing in a sin-polluted atmosphere, we're not going to see everything as clearly as God does. One day we will. The Bible tells us that. That when we're face to face with Jesus, we will know as fully as we are known by him. And that's going to be a great day. Meanwhile, we live by faith. And we don't need all the answers. We can just see God's hand even in the tragedy. It's like, well, if God is on my side and he is almighty, all-powerful, why do I ever suffer hardship? Jesus promised we would. He said we'd suffer. We'd suffer persecution. And I've said this before. I've said this for years. He's promised us victory. But you can't have victory if you don't have a battle. That's not victory. Living free of of, uh, fighting, free of a battle, that you never get a chance to win. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying he promises victory. Well, that means we're going to have to uh, rise above something, right? And these are those kind of things that happen. We just, let's not waste our time trying to figure out why these things happen. And let's thank God that he has made us promises, right? So, and it's like I, I, I shared this quote from Keith Moore on Sunday. It's, oh, it really is okay to say why. Why, God? Even if we don't figure it out. But it's not okay to say why. Don't shake your fist at God. Don't put yourself in judgment over God. We deal with these things in faith. 
faith. But faith begins where the will of God is known. I shared this with the men last night, and this was something else. Keith uh, Moore was talking about at our regional meeting, our RMAI retreat. He said, you know, I hear a lot. He said, I've heard it for years. A lot of people saying, I'm believing God for this. I'm believing God for that. We're believing God. He says, and most of the time, that's just Christianese for we wish for something. We want something to happen. He says, because you can't believe God for something where you don't have a word from God. I'm believing God. I've heard, and I've said it. I'm believing God for a new car. I'm believing God for this, that. Well, is there a scripture that says I can have a new car? Not specifically. Now, can God bring a word to me? I, you know, I'm giving you a new car. Well, he promised me. I, I can hear from God, right? But more to the point from scripture is if I need a vehicle... The scripture does say, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. So that's what I stand on. I have a word there, right? But you can't just wish for something and say, and just say, I'm believing God. So the question is this, do we have a sure word of healing? Yeah, we do. The Bible's very, very clear on that. God is the one, Old Testament and new. I am Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals you. Psalm 103 Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. This is an oldie but goodie. It's been a while since I've heard anybody say this, but most of you have heard it. You know, uh, they've done a, done a lot of research on that word all in the Hebrew, and you know what it really means? It means all. He heals all your diseases. This is, this is how God identifies himself. It's what he does. And we have no problem acknowledging that God forgives all of our iniquities. He forgives our sins, of course. In the same breath, he heals all of our diseases. The greatest apologetic for the healing ministry of God is the ministry of Jesus Christ. That's the thing that I really hang my hat on. Jesus always healed everybody who came to him for healing. He never turn to them and say, sorry, this is, I can't explain it to you. It's just one of the mysterious outworkings of God's divine sovereign will in your life. Accept it, learn from it. He healed. The Great Commission, he commanded his disciples to go, lay hands on the sick, and promise that they would recover. In the book of James, is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church, they'll anoint him with oil, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. This is woven throughout Scripture. Aside from salvation itself, It's not aside from salvation. It's like Pastor Mike said. It's wrapped up in salvation. But aside from the doctrine of heaven and hell itself, healing is the most central part of the gospel. So we can believe God for healing. It's not just hoping God does. It's not just wishing something happens. We can believe God because he has said it. He has promised it. He has accomplished it. And that promise for us is based on the completed work of Jesus Christ. Not just his death on the cross, but specifically those stripes, the beating he took, which the word clearly tells us was for our healing. Now here's the thing. This is a, not just a faith church. This is a word of faith church. This is a review for most of you, but it's important. It's an important time for this. We believe in watching our confession. If God has spoken something about sickness and disease and health and healing, then we need to make sure that we are saying 
what God says because there is life and death in the power of the tongue. Your words make a difference. So let's make sure they line up with what God says. But most of the time when I think about that and when I'm applying that in my life, I'm talking about speaking it over myself because that's Number one, you're responsible for you. Next person is your spouse because you're one flesh. But as the body of Christ, we want to be very careful about how we speak over one another. And so in a situation like this, when uh, you know somebody in the community, maybe a family member or a friend, here's what happens to Ashley, and they say to you, well, that happened to my aunt. She never fully recovered. Or... Uh, anything negative like that. Now, what are you going to do? Let me tell you something. You don't have to say, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. But you know what you can say? Well, you know what? God's good, and we're believing for a full recovery. We are still praying about this because we believe in God's Word. You don't need to preach Him a sermon. If you feel led, if you have the opportunity to share it with Him, share it with Him. But you don't need to try to freak Him out. You don't need to be combative. Just don't say, oh, yeah, well, you know, we got our fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, I know, it's a long shot, but we're praying anyway. Don't say that. Nothing's a long shot with God. I'll share this with you. I, I didn't ask specific permission from my wife, but I have before to tell this story. When, uh, when her dad was diagnosed with cancer, he was, uh, he was a believer, but in a church that didn't believe in healing. But about that time, he was getting his hands on some good healing material. He read Dodie Osteen's book, Healed, Healed of Cancer. He was listening to some ministers for the first time in his life, in his late 60s, that were preaching healing. And he was starting to get some illumination on this. And so he loved it when Beth and I would come over because we were two people in his life that would encourage him in that. And I've shared with you about how the men from the church came over and prayed for him, right? They, they, and I was impressed with their love and concern for Jim because they, they just came over unannounced. Uh, they said you know, they had been together and they just felt inspired to come down and pray. And this, again, this was a denominational church that doesn't practice this regularly. But they said, you know what, we're going to lay hands on you and pray. But the prayers they prayed were, we love Jim. We need Jim. His wife needs him. All based on how much we love Jim, how much we need Jim. And nothing, nothing, nothing to do with what God had promised. The other thing was, and this isn't a slam because this is, she just didn't know better. It's what she was raised in, okay? But Beth's mom, the second most important, in that, uh, important person in, in that faith equation, when she would talk to people and they'd ask her, how's Jim doing? Well, doctors say maybe five, maybe six months. He's not doing too good. Never, nothing faith-filled came out of her mouth. Why? Because she didn't love it? Of course she did. Did she pray for him? Probably. Did she pray in faith? No. Did she, because she's an evil woman? No. My people perish for lack of knowledge, right? So anyway, you need to know, as far as that goes, that Matt Kreider has been a rock. This has been a topsy-turvy 24 hours. This stuff came so suddenly. It was, so, it was so much to absorb. And there's so many people who were concerned and running around. And uh, obviously people react differently. But Matt has been steady. His confession is not wavering. He said, and he told me today over, over coffee down the cafeteria, he said, there's moments, man. Boom, just out of the blue, a thought will come to me. How would I tell my kids if? Nope, not going to dwell on that. She will live and not die. She's the healed of God. And, uh, but you know what? Matt Kreider's human. 
And we need to be lifting his arms up in prayer to speak in the word and swing in our swords on his behalf. I'm going to read you a passage of scripture that you're very familiar with. I'm going to read the version that is in, uh, this is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this particular account. Uh, All very similar, but I'm going to be reading it out of Mark chapter 5 tonight, beginning in verse 21. And there's going to be two things I'll point out after we read it. I'm just going to read about 20, 22 verses. Mark 5, 21. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years, and she had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But the disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, some, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. And when he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, He took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately, the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said that she should be given something to eat. Now, this is interesting on a couple of levels. The ruler, Jairus came to him saying, my daughter is sick. He knew she was dying. It was, this was not just, hey, she didn't feel good. Come make her feel better. She was, she was deathly ill. And Jesus is on her way. And this woman comes up behind without Jesus knowing, without seeking God's will. She just knew if I touch Jesus' clothes, I'll be made well. And she, and she does, but Jesus stops. Now, Jesus could have thought, well, glad that woman got her healing, but I've got to get to this girl before she dies. But he stops, has this brief conversation. Who touched me? You know, I just might touch. I felt the power go out of me. So then the woman comes up and says, I did this. I just told myself, hey, it's good. Your faith has made you whole. And then, just as he was saying that, these others come from the house saying it's too late. She's dead. 
she's dead. And she was, you know. When Jesus said she's not dead, she's only sleeping, he wasn't really saying she hadn't passed. He's simply saying, as it, it, he was referring to the temporary nature of this death because he knew he was going to wake her. Just like when we looked at a couple weeks ago, Lazarus, our friend Lazarus is asleep and I go to wake him. And they say, oh, if he's asleep, he'll get better. No, he's dead and I'm going to raise him from the dead. Same thing here. But when he turned, as soon as that word came, it's, it's almost like the people that were with Jairus were behind him. Go get the teacher. We're all about that. See if he'll come heal your daughter. But now it's like, don't bother him anymore. She's dead. Before Jairus could say anything, Jesus says what? Don't be afraid. Only believe. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Not believe and understand. Not believe and rebuke. Rebuke people. Just believe. What comes out of our mouths in moments of crisis will reveal what we have been feeding on in the days, in the weeks, in the years leading up to those moments of crisis. I was having a conversation not too long ago with Brian Phillips. He's the guy who succeeded me as pastor at uh, Victory Christian Center in Farmer City. He was telling me back in March, uh, he and Crystal and their youngest daughter were driving over to Leroy for a birthday dinner or something, and he uh, hit a slick spot on the road and immediately went into a, a, a spin on the road, went into the median, rolled over, rode along the whatever it is, that, that rail in the middle, I don't know if it was chains or what, but it came on their side, they slid. And so it all happened so fast, but when it was all over, they realized the miracle was they hadn't slid out into oncoming traffic. But he said uh, that just as they were rolling, he could hear his wife say, Jesus, help us. Now, it doesn't, maybe that doesn't sound like much, but do you ever stop and think what might accidentally come out of your mouth when your car's shoulder rolling down the, uh, down the highway? Jesus, help us. And that thing came to a rest on its side. None of them had so much as a scratch or a bruise. A car that stopped right behind them turned out to be driven by an EMT uh, who had to climb up on the vehicle, open Crystal's door, and lift them out. And he was amazed at their condition because the truck was totaled. Jesus, help us. That's what comes out in that moment of crisis. And again, you can say, well... That's great. Why didn't, why didn't Jesus just keep the accident from happen, happening? Don't go there. Or do you, what, are you going to start arguing with God? Well, why are you letting this happen, God? Or are you going to cry out for help? Don't question it. Just believe. When I heard the news yesterday, I was, uh, Rainy and I were uh, driving back from town. I, had to go, I took Mike Rolfs to a doctor's appointment. We were just coming back into St. Joe when I got a text from Matt. Uh, actually, just a little ways out of town, I got a text from Matt saying, I'll be gone the rest of the day and tonight. Call you when I can. And I'm like, I had just checked with Matt this morning. We recorded the podcast. He said, what can I do? I said, are you going to be around this afternoon? Yeah. I said, well, we'll need to wash potatoes and do this stuff. All right, no problem. And now he's abandoning me. I knew something was wrong. And so I just really quick let Rainey text back. I just said, you know, the, do the voice, voice to text thing. Are you okay? Didn't hear back. Two minutes later, Pastor Mike calls. Have you heard from Matt? No, but I, I said, well, I just got this text from him. He said, well, Ashley was found unresponsive in the, in the office, 
and nobody can get a hold of Matt. I said, somebody got a hold of Matt because he took off in a hurry, obviously. And, uh, and so this is all I knew as I'm exiting. I'm getting off the phone with Pastor Mike, and all I know is that Ashley has been found unresponsive, and she is being rushed to OSF. The first thing I prayed, and Rainey can attest to this, immediately, before I even told her what I was talking about, I just began to pray and speak peace and confidence and coming against fear and panic because I could only imagine how much that was trying to get on Matt and the rest of the family. So the first thing I spoke before I even prayed for healing was peace, confidence, No fear, no panic. And then began to speak healing. You know, people have said that fear is the opposite of faith. Doubt is the opposite of faith. But fear feeds doubt like the Word of God feeds your faith. All right? You you give in to fear, and you can pray in fear. But it's not faith-filled prayer. Right? The other thing I want you to see in this passage, I mean, you saw it. I just want you to look at this, this, uh, this detail. You know, when we talk about the woman with the issue of blood, I guess what I'm thinking is, you know, I know a lot of you are still praying for Dad, aren't you? Still speaking the Word of God over, over, over Larry Millis. See him get out of that bed and walk again, right? And Jenny, get out of that wheelchair. She's, she's, she's keeping her confession straight. She's keeping her faith, and we're joining our faith with her, right? Uh, can we still believe passionately for their healing while we pray, while we fight this battle with Matt and Ashley? We absolutely can. When Jesus was on his way to heal this girl who was at that moment near death, this woman came and touched the hem of his garment, and gee, what caused him to stop? He felt the power go out of him. But guess what? There was still enough power in him to not only heal this girl, but raise her from the dead. If you've got a, heal, a need in your body, or in your, a, a child, one of your children, if you've got another need that you need God's help in, don't you think, well, I can't pray for that now. I'll be diverting God's power away from Ashley, who really needs it. There's enough power to go around, folks. There is plenty of power. And God loves us all. The promise is for all of us. Young people, solid rockers, you love Matt and Ashley. Do you? So this is bad news. Just the fact that she's fighting this battle and she's in the hospital. We can admit that that's bad news. I want you to believe that God is still good. And I want you, young people, you don't get, if you are a believer now, I don't know, I know a lot of you are, but I don't know everybody really well and I don't know where you stand in the faith. But if you have confessed Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have to acknowledge him as your Lord. You do not, I say this to the church often enough, but I know not all of you are here on Sunday mornings. You don't get a pass on the things that Jesus commanded his people to do until you're 18, uh, until you graduate college, uh, until you're married. 
If you're saved, you are part of his body. And you are under compulsion, whether you do it or not, you're supposed to be doing the things he commanded all believers to do. And that includes healing the sick, praying in faith, watching your confession. I want everybody to stand up. Praise and worship team, you can come up here. Young people, I'm going to invite you to do something. No pressure, you don't have to come. But if you are a believer and you want to stand here with me, we're going to pray for Ashley, we're going to pray for Matt and the whole family. I'm inviting specifically young people who are part of, you know, Matt's your youth director. If you just want to stand up here because you love him and you want to join your faith as we pray for a complete reversal of this situation, come up here now. Just stand up here with me. Don't. There you go. Right on. And you're all going to join your faith too, okay? Church, church, do you believe that Jesus Christ took those stripes for Ashley? Those stripes, that beating. For her healing? I do. Do you? Do you believe that Jesus Christ took those stripes for your healing? He did. We're just going to receive healing in this place tonight. I want you to receive it for you just right there as we sing. You don't need to sing along. While the music's playing, sing if you want, but thank God for your healing. Going forward from here, every time Ashley Kreider crosses your mind, I want you to say this. I want you to say it. Don't just think it. You don't need to shout it. Not in the middle of class or anything. But say this. Thank you, God, for healing her. Can you do that? Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name for the healing that belongs to Ashley Kreider. Say it a hundred times a day. However many times it crosses your mind. Because when it crosses your mind, I'm telling you this, what you're going to be tempted to do is worry or wonder or fear. And the way you combat that is with the word of God. Thank you, God. She's healed. Healing is her portion. It's what you have willed for her. All right? I'm going to stand over here in the middle of you guys. Can we join hands somehow? I'm going to feel the power going out of me. And you guys can raise your hands. You can stretch them toward this group, whatever, but just link up in faith with the finished work of Christ and the Word of God as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the stripes. Thank you for healing. Thank you. You've given us, Lord, a sure word of healing. You have proven yourself as the God who heals us. And you have spoken it so clearly. And Jesus, you have borne such a great burden and paid such a great price to purchase that healing for all of us. By faith, right now, we join our faith and our, in our love for Matt, for Ashley, for the kids, uh, for Larry and Chris and Katrina and the whole family. We lift them up now. First of all, Lord, we come against fear. We come against panic, and we speak peace, that the Spirit of God would flood the rooms that they walk in, their beds as they, they, they lie their heads down, that they would have sweet sleep in the midst of this as they rest in your promise, in your finished work. 
We speak to Ashley's brain now and command it to be whole, command it to be well, command it to be healed. We thank you, God, for the healing work that you accomplished 2,000 years ago. We thank you for the outworking of that power in Ashley's body right now. We speak healing, complete healing, over her head to toe, front to back, side to side, inside and out. We come against every form of sickness, disease, damage, malfunction. Everything that rises up against good health in every one of her bones and muscles, glands and organs, and blood vessels. Every joint, ligament, tendon, nerve, cell, and tissue of her body and all the spaces in between flooded with the healing power of God driving out all sickness and disease. And Lord, we give you all praise, all glory, and all thanks for doing this work. In Jesus' name, the whole church said, Amen. Amen. And thank you, Lord, for the healing that you're working in this room right now. Raise your hand and receive it if you need it up here, too. Anybody sick up here? Anybody fighting something? I'll pray for you just real quick. You? Are you raising your hand in praise or because you want prayer? Both? Well, just be healed in Jesus' name. You too, son. Right head to toe, front to back, side to side. Inside. Strength for your limbs and healing for your wounds. Hallelujah. Anything else? Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Thank you, God, for healing us. Thank you that there is no shortage, that there is a great healing supply that flows from the cross, that flows from the throne. We receive it in our bodies. And thank you for loving us that much, healing us that much. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thanks for listening. We hope that this message encouraged and equipped you in your walk with Christ. Make sure to follow us on Facebook or Instagram to stay updated with what's going on at Living Word Family Church. Have a great day.